thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Gaucho Amigos. I'm Alex. Today, my guest is IGY Azalea. Not Iggy Azalea, but IGY Azalea. Yes, this is one of those episodes where I'm talking to someone who is kind of in character as their Twitter persona. Uh, this is since they've chosen to remain anonymous. Uh, you might also know him by his Twitter handle, which is at Haitian Divorce. You know, in 2020, uh, during the pandemic, that was the year that the whole Steely Dan Twitter thing uh, took off and uh, kind of became a thing. Um, I guess just because there were a lot of people at home uh, with more time on their hands. But, you know, one of the key accounts in all of that was IGY Azalea. Um, he did the bits and the memes and they were funny. Uh, he was posting consistently and yeah, he's amassed uh, nearly 10,000 followers. Um, so I know I'm not alone in thinking that uh, his uh, Steely Dan stuff is uh, creative and uh, shows a deep understanding and knowledge of the band and the uh, lore. So, you know, as with the episode I did with uh, Lester the Nightfly from Twitter, I thought uh, it would be fun to uh, talk to him and uh, see who this guy was. Um, you know, I didn't really know him personally. We had exchanged some uh, Steely Dan stuff over the years, but uh, I asked if he was willing to come on the podcast and talk. And uh, yeah, he agreed. Uh, and we did it. It was great. Um, before I share the conversation, I, I will say that a lot of uh, our talk does kind of revolve specifically around our uh, Steely Dan Twitter experience. But you know, like a lot of these, it kind of jumps all over the uh, the Steely Dan universe. So uh, I just did want to point that out. And also, I wanted to say that once again, we will be off uh, next week. I'm going to be on vacation. So uh, no Gaucho Amigos uh, next week, but I'll be back the week after that. Uh, without further ado, this is my conversation with IGY Azalea, a.k.a. at Haitian Divorce on Twitter. Enjoy. It's just music, but it's I think it's encompassing something larger. It's music made by really weird people as like almost a signal. <laughs> really weird people. And that's my wife's like, well, why'd you call it Haitian divorce? You're looking for a divorce? So no, no, no. Let's, you know, let's pull that down or whatever. Um, I was like, you know, this is it's a deeper enough cut that I guess I love scam a lot. Scams, scams. Don't ask me my favorite album because I mean they're all it changes every week, but Scam is always going to be there. And like Haitian Divorce is this weird funky track, and so it's almost like a signifier, like a bat signal, if you will, of like, well, if they recognize this at handle symbol, then you know, like they're probably a fan, and it's like then that might be someone I, you know, I want to fucking post with or chat with or do whatever about. And so it was. Yeah, there's well, I mean, there's the hits, and then there are the ones that are cool on the Steely Dan Twitter like level. So you know. I'd say the hit side of thing, you have your do it again, your real and your Ricky. Um, but then there's the Twitter in you know, the Haitian divorce, glamour profession. You know, it's a, it's a little bit of a different, like, you know, what, do you know what I mean? I'm not mm -hmm. putting one song against the other, but I just feel like there are ones that the fans tend to go nuts over. I think because they, uh, they hone in on the weirdness of it, like you said, or the sort of the oddball uh, sensibility like that yeah. runs throughout the, the Steely Dan catalog. I got um, a record player for the birthday of Christmas long, long, long time ago. And one of the first albums I got on there was gold. And it's like a triple disc, like 
insane compilation. And, and one of the ones was here at the Western world. And I was like, I just assumed everyone like knew what that's <laughs> made a reference to it. And they're like, what was that? And I was like, oh, that's, you know, it's, and I was here at the Western world. It's like, I'd never heard of that song. I was like, what? How do you, how do you not know this? Like uh, clearly it must be one of their greatest hits if it was on like a greatest hits compilation, because I didn't even get like super deep into the album cuts for a while, just because it was hard to get. Like, I mean, I was listening to other stuff as a 20 something in college too. Like, so the, I mean, I, you know, Asia and scam and things like that, but like really getting down and like appreciating how good countdown is, how good Katie is like really a fun musical journey, I guess. Like, and now as I'm, have gotten through my mid thirties to now forties, the, the appreciation for two against nature is, has grown <laughs> dramatically as well, which is really funny to think about because it sounds so cliche, but it is very true. How, how really good that album is. Yeah. I mean, some Dan fans don't like it. I dig it. I mean, I think when it came out, um, I, I didn't like it very much when it came out. Yeah. I was 21 years old, 20, 21 years old. I was like, this shit doesn't rock. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not very rocking, I guess. Yeah, well, no, I, it's it not. Out, it, I came out when I was in high school, and I wasn't even a Steely Dan fan at that time. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it kind of hit me later. So, um, but that's interesting. Yeah. So you were you got into them when you were a teenager. You got Decade of Steely Dan. But then, when did you start to really dig in to like the the albums and the catalog? Like, you know, probably the, like late twenties. I'd say like started like that's when I, I started kind of renewing my my vinyl interest and then I, I picked up a couple on cd and then i mean i had everything on an ipod too like that always i think that really helped like accessibility of music when you can download a whole artist catalog yeah that's kind of changed the game especially for a band like steely dan where like a lot of the best material is just underneath the surface yeah so yeah like if, if you had only been exposed to the surface level stuff like the the hits that i was kind of just talking about uh, which is what happened to me. I didn't really like nothing clicked, but then it was about uh, 10, 12 years ago that um, I heard Babylon sisters for the first time, which mm-hmm. that, that one, you, you kind of have to know the album um, to know it. And I, I heard that and that's what got me in. So then I went and uh, listened to Asia and Gaucho and then yeah. like, from there it was just, uh, you know, I was off and running. <laughs> One complaint, like lost one complaint, I guess, is is musical. Uh, I guess the order choice of which they like staggered their songs. I've always kind of had an issue with. So I'll actually I'll go back and recut like most of the. <laughs> oh, you resequence the album? Oh yeah, I do it. I do it a fair amount on. <laughs> and I'll throw yeah. it like, like uh, let me I'll pull up my Asia thing yeah, here. Yeah, share some of your resequences or well, at least. And I got so much shit in the chat for it there too, but it's it's that's it's fun to. So. I do that when I when I get to a point where I've heard an album like you know ten times, then I yeah. think about because it. it just makes it more you know it's fun to think about. I guess if you're like you know my Asia Taylor's version here. By the way, there is actually an alter. There's um for the cassette release of uh, Asia and Katie. Uh huh. There are alternate uh, sequences. Oh, see, that's what I love. Like yeah. there are so many weird little like just. Facts. And that's, I mean, I don't know everything about Steely Dan. I'm far from it, but like hearing a little factoid from somebody or just some little nugget of information like that, it's so, so satisfying to me. I don't know. Yeah. Like the first time we all hear about the the multiple takes until Jay Graydon finally got it right on peg. You know, like, I mean, you hear like, that's the, that's again, like that's the tip of the iceberg. And then like, oh yeah, the whole thing burned down for Katie Light. Like what? <laughs> like, 
All right, so so much, I, yeah. It's just it's an unending sequence there. The yeah. lore is just like unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's deep and it's rich and it's kind of convoluted and it's it's got its own <laughs> about just this, you know. This and because I feel like it's been under the surface for so long, it's not like the Grateful Dead, you know, there's the whole deadhead culture. The archaeology, the, the, the archaeological element of it is kind of still in, in motion. You know what I mean? Like, it's still somewhat fresh, you know? I feel like with the Grateful Dead... it's still being Dead, written there, too, because I, I think that's what... Because it's such a memeable band, too. That's what really got me into Because I've been, I mean, posting on fucking internet forums that for 20-some years now. Probably, like, 25 at this point. And, uh, and just, you know, making jokes about, I think that's the thing too, is like, you can't <laughs> really love something unless you can really like savagely mock it or make a, I mean, cause it's not, none of this is serious. It's all just, you know, it's having fun with it. I mean, that's what, again, I think that's what renewed it, especially during the pandemic was like needed something good to listen to needed something kind of, you know, either it's always been there or positive or uplifting. Cause like, I, I kind of stopped just listening to podcasts. I couldn't listen to news or information <laughs> like i just want to when we get back to basics and really just start listening to music and i listened to so much music in 2020 um it's funny that you mentioned the grateful dead because the transition from from listening to a lot of steely dan to making that jump to to the grateful dead because a lot of the people i met on twitter were really big dan fan or um grateful dead fans too and there is a, a good good overlap good transition from dan fan to deadhead i think um not full-blown deadhead but yeah, I listen to both. Oh. I prefer the Dan. I'm not a deadhead, but I listen to a lot of Grateful Dead. Too. Yeah, I don't identify as a deadhead, yeah. but I do enjoy listening to them quite a lot. Um, oh yeah, so I pull this. So I go, yeah. we go Josie, and we go Black Cow, and we go Deacon Blues. Right, we're in the, the ballpark here, and then we go. I got the news, then Peg, and we slip in FM, and then Asia, and then Home at Last. And it's to me that's the that's the ideal. So <laughs> side side A goes Josie, Peg, Deacon. I would almost say if you could, I mean, on, on an album, it would be very hard to cram in. Was that 12, 17? It's 20 minutes. Okay. I got the news. And then, you know, I got the news. And then you kick off side, side the B side again with okay. Peg. Do you want to hear the cassette alternate yeah, chat listing? So it opens with uh, Asia. Okay. Yeah. It goes Asian into Deacon into Josie. Okay. Then Black Cow, I got the news. Peg, home at last. Okay. So they finished on home at last. So. Yeah, I feel a certain amount of validation now because I feel, I mean, just you know, I guess it's very basic, but like it's a great finishing track, and it's it's I mean, it's kind of baked into the the name of the track itself. So whatever. Your peg, uh, mummy, mummy. Uh, story mashup. <laughs> that was my favorite fucking gag ever, and I had, yeah, I had never seen that video until someone's like, "Oh, hey, you should like, you know, make it. You should do something with this video." And I said, "All right, I think I got an idea for that." And I did. I mean, first of all, the video itself is hilarious. Like, it really helps when the source material is like already incredibly fucking. Funny. <laughs> because I don't know if you've seen. I'm sure you've seen the original mummy video where it's like. <laughs> like it's hilarious it is objectively hilarious and then yeah. i was like well that sounds a lot like you know michael mcdonald so i, I sit there and 
yeah, this is where a lot of, a lot of free time on one's hands uh, can come <laughs> in play, you know, like late at night, you know, listen to music um, <laughs> and just, yeah, like isolating the vocals to peg and then learning how to use video editing program to do all these things is, is very, very That's sad. Right, yeah. Let me see. And, I, mean, I think it'll actually work as just audio. So let me just uh, yeah. pause. Oh, it, it will. I'll play it. I'll play it for uh, for the listeners right. here. But this week, researchers in England let us hear what a real mummy sounds like. That's the voice of Nessie Amun, an Egyptian priest who lived 3,000 years ago. Scientists were able to mimic Nessie Amun's voice by recreating his mouth and vocal cords with a 3D printer. It allowed them to produce a single sound. Nessie Amun was chosen for this research because his remains were well preserved during mummification and also because there are inscriptions in his coffin about his hope to speak again after death. A desire from the ancient world fulfilled by modern technology. All in 3D, foreign movie, back to you. Yeah, that was great. Another one that I loved uh, was, <laughs> I guess this wasn't a bit, but it was something that was that you posted that was hilarious. But it was that thing where you were listening to Cooley Baba, which is like one of the deeper cuts off. Of really the, deep cut, yeah. It's like one of the gaucho outtakes but then you got an advertisement for mail oh <laughs> god yeah the fucking slovenian or slovakian mail order bride. <laughs> yeah i just love that they uh that those two things kind of came together and also yeah just i like that you were listening to coolie baba i man i love coolie baba i love the bear i lo like all the like the lost gaucho stuff to me is so incredible like that the again the mythos and lore of all of the unheard unknown stuff especially like now like I don't know, just hearing some of the stuff that like I, I am big on hearing or doing something for like the first time, like the first time you ever did so and so, the first time you ever heard of vinyl, the first time like <clears throat> I remember the first time I bought tapes for myself when I had a vehicle of my own. It was like when I got fucking three dollar Billy All from Limp Biscuit, Led Zeppelin <laughs> three and four, and uh Rage Against the Machine <laughs> Evil Empire. It was a hell of a just a, a hell of a spread of music there at the time. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I only had my truck only had a tape player in it. And so I was like, I got to get some tapes now. Because, I mean, my old, that's the thing, too, is I think that I think having a musical, not a musical background, but just a, a musical appreciation background where you just hear a bunch of weird stuff. My parents are huge. Like, fine. My dad's got like 2,000 vinyls. Like, my mom, oh, wow. like, he doesn't even like Steely Dan. He fucking hates Steely Dan. But, you know, God bless him. Like, I mean, I, I love Neil Young and Tom Petty, like, right up there with them. Yeah. And so, like, that, that heritage is his for sure. My mom is the one who, who's like the softer softer side of things on that. And so she's the one who hooked me up with the Steely Dan CD, but like just that, like listening to a lot of music and then, you know, like a lot of music is, is not good or not great or whatever, but it's but like hearing something like this, especially like, you know, like, man, this is fucking awesome. This is unlike anything I've ever heard. Like I have a big basis of comparison and this is still unlike anything I've ever heard. And that, that's what does it for me. It's just the, you look at their whole catalog and it's so diverse. It is. Yeah. So rich and it's so well done like i remember when I, <laughs> I got a nice pressing a gaucho a couple of years ago and i have this like really expensive bow speaker that i keep in like my room i'm like i'm i found a way to rig it to the record player because i'm like i want to hear fucking gaucho on the bows like i want to yeah. i want to treat it right you know like 
not just the usual soundbar I just, you know, listen to stuff on. So no, I want, I want it to be the Bose. So yeah, I think that just that it kind of lets me geek out to like, hear really, really well done music. Um, at, at a well, like a quality, they knew that they were making, they, they really wanted to make something sound incredible. And I think that's cool as hell. Like the freedom to do that. And I know some people would consider it wasteful to do a bunch of takes or to, you know, spend a bunch of money on production or whatever. But like, I mean, this is music industry money. This isn't going to help the fucking homeless. Like, <laughs> this is fake money. So let them, you know, make a, it's, it's like, <laughs> you know, let them cook. So, well, that's, I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, when you put on a Steely Dan album, there's something, uh, just knowing how pristine it's going to sound. It's just like, you kind of yep. enter that world, you know, it's just, there's something, yeah. cause it's not, I mean, people always call it like smooth music or like relaxing mm -hmm. music, but it's not, it's not quite not. relaxing because it's, it kind of, it's so stimulating, you know, like my brain is like mm -hmm. firing on more synapses than putting on, you know, what we think of as like smooth jazz. But I think just the idea that you know, when you put on something Steely Dan or, you know, at least Donald related, it's going to be so pristine sounding. It kind of puts yeah. you in this like space. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it is. It is a big time headspace. Headspace. It, yeah. Like something. Yeah. It, it can, one album can take you everywhere. Like Countdown's pretty similar. It, you know, I think Countdown is really interesting. Now I think about it because it was their second album. First time I heard about it, I was like, oh, that really clicked was how they um, uh, did it to be performed live which I think is awesome. I think that's a yeah. really great because then you listen, like we recently um, we've been seeing a lot of classic albums lives. I mean, you, you got real music up in New York um, in Florida here. We, we have a lot of, <laughs> we either had to go to see stadium shows. Like I saw Stevie Nicks yeah. recently in a big stadium show and it wasn't great, you know, but it was yeah. fine. Um, but like, we have a lot of like tribute bands and stuff here. And so we have this thing, it's a nationwide tour, but like we get them a lot come through our area, classic albums live. And you like, you see why like, we've seen rumors, I think three or four times. Right. <laughs> it's an embarrassing amount of times I've seen rumors through, but you see that it is a fantastic album. You see the album, <laughs> like why they made the choices of how they lined the signs up. They were going to play it in their in entirety of like what, how that works. And yeah. it's like, Oh, that really like, okay. Yeah. They just super jammed out uh, for like five minutes. And it's like, okay, now we're going to go to songwriting. Like we're going to, we got to take, you know, a little acoustic guitar and like a, a small set there it's like okay yeah so i see that on countdown next see too if like yeah we're just gonna make a song we or an album we can just play live just have fun with it so that i think is is just genius i don't know but then you know we're talking about all the old tracks it's like how uh third world man could have been entirely different lyrics on another album and like it could have been on i think they it had it kicking around since royal scam bloody mayday when the wild the thing with steely dan i think before the twitter thing started is just like i feel like a lot of the literature on it is just written by like music critics yeah you know because I, I feel like they are really popular with music critics so just you know all the books like if you look at there's like you know five or six steely dan books that have been published like they're all music critics and they're all like you know white guys of a certain age they just all have mm -hmm. the same kind of like 
attitude towards Celia Dan, but that's, you know, the fan base, you know, it, it goes a lot wider and deeper than that. Like there's just, yeah. so I feel like what the Twitter thing has done is kind of just democratize the whole like Steely Dan experience where just you're getting all these different perspectives or some people like the early ones, but now Gaucho is kind of like the weird favorite. The one now, yeah. No. And it's really, I feel a big, like kind of a hit in the LGBT community too, which is like, you know, it really, interesting thing to think about like this you know this old boomer rock band here so quote unquote <laughs> but like, has you know a, a, like a lot of people in the, like of all it cuts across everything ages genders you know sexual orientation for preference just everything is like it's all over the map man and it's really, really? cool to yeah to found that out among oh gosh yeah no on twitter like it's it's a, a big community among those like who love fucking steely dan and it's awesome and they're like yeah. some of the most like interesting replies and bits of knowledge i've gotten about them is, is come from just people of all crazy diversity so yeah it is not a i feel like it probably was like you said because all the books and all the literature was written by old white guys it was kind of gatekept as like this you know a musician's band or who's like a just uh, i really feel like they they knew they had something special and they're like well this is just for us this is this one's just for the old white guys here and that's so far from the truth like yeah and i actually have gotten shit a little bit from uh, some people on twitter who are like mad about that not not they're not mad that it's opened up but they're just like i don't know just a couple of people have said like oh like we should have been gatekeeping steely dan like it's become too popular so i don't know it's just <laughs> it's just a ridiculous it's way for the people but <laughs> yeah it's it's for the people man they've got yeah. to let, let it be free yeah, I mean the floodgates are open, but yeah, I feel like you had actually had a huge hand in that with the uh, this like the, the, you actually made the Steely Dan Twitter community, right? That was yeah, your... yeah. I mean, I made the community, but I mean, just the posting kind of like ethos had been like a bunch of like you know really extremely online people for a while there, and obviously your account was an enormous fucking deal <laughs> because it was. And I I like I've always appreciated the the flip the positivity you make, and I think that is kind of the new generation of Dan fans or whatever we are of like because I guess we're what the second wave people are because you're what 37, 38? Uh, I'll be thirty eight in a okay. few months. So yeah, I'm thirty. Yeah, yeah. So like we're like I think like because you know folks like our parents. We're either the second or the third wave, whatever the Steely Dan Renaissance, but I really feel like it's now, yeah, it's so, so accessible and so like, you know, but like you took the band, the bad takes, you know, the Jerry Salsas of the world and everything, <laughs> you know, because it is, it is so easy to drive engagement or to just get, you know, clicks and notices and everything by going negative and, and having a shitty take on things and just like dunking on people. And that, you know, everyone's does it. Everyone, you know, it still happens, but it's not really satisfying in the sense of like making something positive or making like, I mean, in a way, like a lot of us are just kind of making new art out of this, you know, thing. It's like, I can't ever make any of my own. Like, again, I can't, I can't write a song. I can't play the piano. I can't play the guitar, but I can, I can get stoned and fire up something in Photoshop pretty easy. I'm pretty <laughs> good at that. So yeah. um, that's fun. <laughs> Yeah, so I get, to, you... I get to make my own art basically, and like, yeah, and you know, ten people like think it's the fucking funniest thing. I'm like, that's that's it. I'm happy. Like, I'm I'm fulfilled in that too. So it, it is very very fun to make something out of out of something that's obviously far superior, but can poke fun at a little bit. So yeah, I mean, you've definitely brought a lot of people joy from uh, you know, from your <laughs> posting. I, I'm you know, I see it, I see it from from uh, where I'm sitting, and I, I can I can definitely say that you have. I feel like one um, big part of the whole like Steely Dan uh, Twitter thing has been the love of the 
classic albums Asia episode. Oh Christ! <laughs> I don't want to sidetrack real quick, but like the first thing, my I got my kids an Oculus for Christmas this year. Oh, nice. so on Christmas Day Eve, like everyone gone to bed or whatever, I fucking fire up classic albums live. I put the Tubi account in. And I fired that motherfucker up and and watched it. And it was like it was watching it in the home theater because I was like, oh, I've been waiting to do this for like a month. <laughs> That's awesome. But anyway, so yeah, the classic albums live has and will continue to bring me such an immense amount of joy because it is it is ridiculous. It is a ridiculous documentary. Like, there's no drama. There's this ain't, this ain't rumors. This is just them geeking out of the soundboard and pegging fun. You know, like it was it was great. So anyway, continue. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're all all the people that worked on that album are all. It's such an uh, oh. oh, it's a bunch of nerds, really, a bunch of music nerds, and they're all sort of awkward and they're all oddballs in their own way. But it's like they're all very different, like their personalities. But the way they're kind of like, you know, the way it's edited in a way that like you seeing all these different perspectives from these weirdos is just like fucking. <laughs> it's just and even party cool as hell is a fucking weirdo too, man. You got the backbeat. You got double time. And you have it almost shuffled. Bernard, you know, you know, this is the famous story where where he, you know, he would come to a session, uh, at, you know, in the in the early '60s, and he'd have two signs with him, and he'd set up these signs. One on one side of the drums would say, "You done it," and then the sign on the other side would say, "You done hired." The hit maker Bernard Pretty Purdy. <laughs> I was just remembering kind of where my I remember like a second renewed renaissance came from was um and also the most millennial thing I'll probably admit today was when, when it was on graduation on um, champion song. Yeah, Connie. That's true. Motherfucker, I haven't thought, man, how good was that sample? Like yeah, and then of course, yeah, then the lore. Then you read he wrote to Donald Fagan and asked for the sample. And, <laughs> Like it's fucking crazy. Like yeah, just that Kanye also is somehow part of the Steely Dan saga. Part of, he's like, part of the lore. Yeah, he is one of the characters in the in the saga. I remember I I probably banged Steely Dan pretty hard because it was great. I listened to Graduation a lot. Graduation, shoot, we used um one of the songs in our wedding. Yeah, <laughs> we used Good Life as the entrance theme when we walked in uh, during the reception there. So it was that was a big <laughs> that had a big impact on me. It's funny because I was. Um, there's a couple of years there where I tuned out of Kanye because I loved the the first two were huge. Oh, yeah. Dropout and uh, was it late registration. Late registration, yeah. I was in college when those came out and I remember being like super, like everybody was super obsessed. But then I think uh, Heartbreak. After uh, 808, I stopped listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that one in graduation, I think I was post-college and kind of tuned out of music for a bit. Mm-hmm. So I missed those. And then I got, when uh, Twisted Fantasy came out, I got that. Ah. But then I, I did hear, then I went, so I, I actually missed Champion, but then, you know, when I was in <laughs> Sicily Dan, I, I was like, oh, shit, there's, I think, like, uh, an ex-girlfriend, like, was listening to, um, I remember she was putting on uh, uh, Graduation, and then Champion came out, like, this is Steely Dan, do you know, like, <laughs> this is Steely fucking Dan, holy shit, like, do you well, know how huge this is? <laughs> it, it hit so hard for me, because at yeah. that point, I, I remember... Probably around that time, yeah, I was still working, and I had worked in a computer lab at college, and uh, this is an undergrad, and um, <laughs> I would, like, entertain myself by finding old web pages and everything and downloading, like, either old hip-hop songs, like, I'd download hip-hop songs, and then I would, like, yeah. download old sample and, like, have them on, like, back-to-back playlists and everything, and so, like, I was really 
really into like samples like because I, I i mean i really i grew up on nas like illmatic was really really important <laughs> as far as like stuff i like to listen to was that was a huge cd um obviously the chronic is like what owes everything to funkadelic and so like being able to hear like one of my favorite bands get sampled by one of my favorite artists at the time was like so fucking cool <laughs> that's awesome yeah well I think illmatic that... is like you know oh. it's a great album but it's also you know the fact that you like illmatic and steely dan i mean you have a, a slightly I, new york uh, soul there yeah like have a, or a richer palette or something you know something you know, like that yeah i know because... that being I feel like I could absorb that like culture yeah. <laughs> through media is the only way I can do it. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really like, yeah, that, I think that reference to the old, I think is something mm -hmm. because, like, you know, when you look at when Don had his own chance to do the night fly and then you look at the songs that are on there, like, you know, Ruby baby was like an old drifter song or something mm -hmm. like it's all stuff from his, his kind of formative years. And, right. you know, it, it's, it's really neat to, I don't know, I guess see the level of respect that he gives to, to other artists and, and what he makes out of that so yeah yeah it's true i mean he's like he's yeah uh he does show his uh his reverence for um for the 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 originals the ogs or whatever you want to say the duke ellingtons and and all mm -hmm. these other you know charlie parker and whatnot so yeah um yeah because i mean gosh i didn't really even get into the nightfly until like very recently and i mean within like the last like four or five years, like recently, just because I just wasn't like, I hadn't crossed that bridge into the solo stuff. Like it yeah. just was, hadn't, hadn't, hadn't gotten there yet. Like hadn't, <laughs> hadn't decided to give it, but streaming media really played a lot in that. Like where I finally like get a Spotify account or like get a, I'm trying to think what I, I use Apple music, or whatever before then. So I mean, yeah. it was, it was an Apple. Uh, yeah. It's Apple music and then Amazon music and just being able to really explore is, is such a, because <clears throat> I think, yeah, gatekeeping or just, you know, privilege or whatever, like to people who either had access to like a huge vinyl collection or a huge tape collection or just had the, like, I mean, Jesus, the town I grew up in, there was no record store. There was no music store. I had to go to Tallahassee. I had to drive an hour away to go to the music store. And, uh, you know, I wasn't like taking time to crack dig or do anything like that stuff that, you know, I wasn't able to do until college. And, um, and so being able to explore just a vast wealth and library music has been really great for me i feel like it's like a like a second childhood in that sense for me being able to discover all these things but then because everyone else is doing it then i can make jokes about it because i like to make jokes about stuff and i you know to have a community with such a breadth of knowledge um is is incredible because you can make a lot, bunch of weird like this is some some joke off you know glamour profession or something that i want to make a joke about or make a meme about or whatever and people are going to get it. And that to me, is like really funny. That's something that I, I so geeked out about. Like I can, I can share that again, that intrusive, that thought or whatever. Um, were you surprised that there was this much um, of a response to like, yeah. these very oh, specific, right. hyper specific yeah. memes and, and bits? I was doing it for me and like three friends to start. Like that was really all. Although among the community, it is really funny to like yeah. needle the well, actually people, the people who do take it like super fucking serious or just, oh, I know. You know, oh, actually, it was seven guitarists. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm really super <laughs> oh, happy for you, man. Like, it's, it's... <laughs> I know some people are just like so anal retentive. I mean, that's they 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 take but it so serious. Like, they are the butt of the joke, but they don't realize it in a way. They're part. the people who are like, actually, you know, it was you know, uh, you know, Purdy actually didn't play drums on that track. Yeah, it was it was. On... 
It was Rick Murata actually on Pat. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Thanks. Like, yeah, I, I didn't go fucking wiki it. I'm sorry. Like, I, know, I know. I know. They got pedantic is the word. <laughs> well, but you know what? That is like, that's I think at the core of that is the 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 dark Donald sort of aspect to it though is the the pedantry um, of like well I bet Donald was such a fucking well actually kid. I feel he has those vibes like. Um, well, maybe it, Walter balanced him out because Walter what I'm seems thinking. more. Begin like, the game there, yeah. One thing that I feel like there's some sort of weird relationship with, so like a lot of your bits and just kind of the general like Twitter world, um, uh -huh. are just you know doing bits on like Steely Dan characters being losers or weirdos or uh -huh. you know just like these chuds, and then like you go on Twitter and there's it's full of these people, right? Like yeah. the Twitter like landscape is just full of these fucking like loser weirdo grifters you know just like all these people that get dunked on every day you know they're, they're kind of almost unavoidable um, mm -hmm. do you think that could be part of the reason why there's like such a steely dan like i think you probably hit the nail on the head there yeah that <laughs> it really is just because it is just yeah it's a sea of weirdos every day is a i mean you know the, the whole main character i think is one of those uh, twitter recognizable terms and everything like every every one of these songs has got the main character you know because the Gaucho is not the main character. And I feel like the main character is the narrator. Right? He's the, he's the real, you know, he's the one who's got a fucking problem. It's, it's a him problem. <laughs> uh, the Gaucho is just out there vibing, but yeah, no, it's, it's, there are just so many weird guys out there and it's, yeah, it's to, to make fun of, uh, or to make a, you know, whatever about the, the, the guy of the day of the Steely Dan song is like almost harmless in a way because it's so, I mean, it could be, you know, a million different characters or, you know, a uh, personality profile or whatever they want to write about. Maybe some guy they knew in school or some guy at college or like someone they worked with or whatever. Just whatever the inspiration what gave him what it's in the abstract. And it's like it's harmless in a way is that you can kind of poke fun at this like odd character. And it's not like either a real person like because, I mean, you know, bless their hearts. I'm sure, everyone's got a right wing relative out there who's like super on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And, and you're just like, God damn, like just you have the worst beliefs ever. So you got to think about like that, that, that. Yeah, they're all terrible fucking people. But like, I don't know, just telling someone to fucking die all the time or whatever is an exhausting amount of mental energy. So it's much more fun to, I don't know. Yeah, you can kind of channel it through Steely Dan. Yeah, you know, kind of. I can take those negative thoughts. and Because, I mean, yeah, no, I, I was no for and a stranger to fucking chewing out people on forums or just doing whatever, like, you know, fucking fights on the Internet. And that's terrible. Funny thing is that like it started like I mean the site somehow became linked to being the Trump site and then yeah you know it, something it, with like 2015 through 2018 people were just so obsessed with oh shit I would I mean Jesus I yeah. made the like the whole you know everyone I'm sure we all bought into Bernie pretty hard and just the thinking that you can and I still know people like this who think that they can you know, posting is praxis in a way it's like they're trying to change the world by correcting a you know an untrue meme or whatever and it's like that it's that's just too that's too exhausting so yeah i think you're really really on something here with the uh <laughs> feeling anything is a kind of a positive or just a different way to channel that sort of energy where otherwise it would be like shouting into the void about politics you know telling mitch mcconnell to fuck himself or whatever like it it no that whereas that is it's just negative energy in the world. Whereas at least with something is like, you know, when you repost like someone's really funny thing or whatever, like I'm going to look at that and laugh and that's going to be like, okay, like 
I can I can get through a few more minutes of this day, you know, without this yeah. terrible news of everything like falling apart around you. Like, I'll just enjoy something on Twitter instead of not. look back at like because it helped me through the pandemic you know it was a part of uh helping cope i think on my own terms through the pandemic was you know listen to a lot of music and a lot of steely dan like uh helped help with it tremendously for me at least it was, it was cheaper in therapy that's for sure yeah do you, do you have any idea why you think that uh you turned to steely dan during the pandemic as your coping mechanism why them specifically I feel it was like a recognizable, you know, entity, uh, something okay. I always kind of enjoyed, um, that was always there. Uh, and just, cause I, again, I think I was just so burned out on podcasts and I, I just didn't want to hear people talk. Like I was just done. And obviously the irony of course, of being on a podcast, but, um, but <laughs> I got it, man. Just, yeah. I wanted something like that. And so I was like, I have, you know, I have the time, and I have the access to it all. I'm going to just throw myself into the, the you know, I've listened to the discography straight, like a few times, like it's like read the Bible straight through or something like that. But just, you know, to hear it like in the evolution of it and, you know, finding the old, the, the YouTube compilation. So, I mean, really having a lot of time uh, was that. And I just took a deep dive. That's, I mean, that's something I've always liked doing anyway. If I want to find out something, you know, you go take a, take a wiki hole as it were there and just finally took a deep dive on the dam. Any other uh, bands or artists that you also? Uh, oh, I'm I'm huge into Petty. I'm a huge Petty. petty? Guy. Like I, okay. I read all the books. Like um, I got to see one last concert. Like it just that's always been uh, present. Um, and it's yeah, sort of its own universe there. Like because it's still kind of you know the ongoing Tom Petty universe. Because we got to see Mike Campbell last year uh, in Gainesville, which was amazing. He got to play oh. like a it was maybe 200 people at that show. It was incredible. And um, oh. so, yeah, I, I'm my roots definitely, yeah, like were like Neil Young and Tom Petty, and you know, the all that was on the radio was like Southern Rock, and like it was, um, but then my mom was like a huge Beatles fan, and so it was like my dad was a huge Stones guy, and so it was just, it was the the classic rock, like, <clears throat> you know, just the ultimate child who, you know, grew up in the late 80s and early 90s, formative years of music and all that was, was 100% on the nose, and just, yeah, because I we lived like out in the country and there was a lot of like time for commuting. I listened to like a lot of tapes with my dad and a lot of radio with my mom. And so like between that, I just like classic rock radio. I'm, there was some some app we used to do on road trips, like with friends and everything. And it was like, a, you know, name that tune essentially because it would pull from like either a pre-done music library or own music library or whatever. And so like anything from like 
1965 to like 1979. I could probably nail within about three seconds if it was on the rock. And it just drove him fucking crazy. Um, but it was fun because we all had our little genres. We could do that. And it's, I think I've always enjoyed listening to music as a social activity too. Yeah. Um, I remember the jukebox app was really, really popular, especially during pandemic time. It was a lot of fun. Met some really cool people doing jukebox on here and got to hear a lot of neat music because you'd take turns DJing like in sequence, which was an amazing app that is now gone. It used to be part of Spotify. Um, but yeah, no, the, I think the, just the staples of like, I probably more now to listen. I, it's, it's a lot of Dan, a lot of Petty, a lot of, a lot of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. I, um, I got into classic rock just because, um, in like middle school, like late elementary and middle school is kind of when I started getting into music just, you know, cause mm-hmm. as a kid, um, I think I'm a little younger than you, but yeah, similar time frame. Um, and I was really into like Nirvana and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. like smashing pumpkins. But then when that left and it kind of became new metal and like emo, yeah, cause I'm from New Jersey. Emo was like huge. Oh, I was, I was not into that shit at all. Checked out, just out. I checked out. I changed the channel and when I started listening to classic rock and that, and I think like there were a lot of movies around like the Pulp Fiction, Big Lebowski. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of seventies rock, Dazed and Confused. Yeah, one of my favorites. Oh, so yeah. I kind of went. That became my new persona. <laughs> was like classic rock guy. Like I classic was, rock I, guy. Yeah. Like Led Zeppelin, Big Lebowski. That was like so. That's that started this whole other path. And then when I got to college. For some reason all the friends that i made there were just like music people like that was there like they knew so much and that just like uh, that to, you know that was kind of a life-changing thing yeah the deep me. pond of and i think that's where twitter is kind of like that too it's yeah. like there's a big deep pond of people who know a hell of a lot more than me yeah that's awesome and like i'm not <laughs> no it's great i think like you know younger me might have been intimidated by it or trying to like know everything or trying to really but it's like just being able to like learn something new from people who aren't you know jerks about it or whatever is Yep. is really cool like it's fun like it's you're doing the research for me i'm 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 happy about that so Although i feel like neil like, young almost has like a steely-esque oh yeah rabbit yeah, hole like there's so much to explore there's so many weird albums and the like it's just there's yeah just, he's such an odd guy i mean neil's great for that, yeah because he is such a he's a curmudgeon and a weirdo he's very donald's like he's like the canadian donald's like he is yeah it's interesting though because like I remember the first time I heard Rocking Around and I was like this is dog shit and then you realize <laughs> why he wrote it why he did it because he was a big fuck you album you know I don't know if you know yeah. the story right now I'm sure you do but like the you know the protest album as he owed a, a a record he owed an album to the studio right and he did it as a fucking rockabilly album it was like <laughs> I don't even know man it was it was awful it was yeah <laughs> yeah um and it was like it was less than it was less than 25 30 minutes long it was a short album dude <laughs> and uh, it was like all right i'm out it was like the anti-nightfly The Donald solo run is great because it's like you think you've reached the end of what Steely Dan is, you know, like yeah. and then you hear like IGY for the first time and you're like, yeah, Holy shit, there's yeah. more and it's even better. <laughs> it is. It's I, I, I think Nightfly is pure to Gasso, you know, don't at me. But uh, yeah. I, I, I think the Nightfly I, may be my single favorite from the whole world. Like, <sighs> if I had to only keep one, like if you're going through my record collection, I can only keep one. Yeah. It would be between like. Oof. 
And it's it's hard. You can't pick. Like it might that's be the nightfly. Yeah. yeah, it might be. Uh, it's, no, yeah, nightfly night is, is like you know that's how I feel. I like. I have a hard time like yeah. to, for the, like pet. If you ask me, like you pick one solo or album, I, I pick <laughs> I pick wildflowers like every time. But like yeah, it's not an easy choice. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's that's a deeply and it's weird to think about that the the part being bigger than the whole. Not bigger, but just more enjoyable than the whole. But I think that that part was so well distilled, like Steely Dan was so well distilled into the Nightfly that, I mean, it might as well have been a Steely Dan album. Like kind of, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of the same players too. And yeah, a lot of overlap in everything, but it is unequivocally Donald himself. So I think that's a blend of the part and the whole. So, but yeah, no, that's what makes that, that is a truly phenomenal album. That's great. Yeah. Did you enjoy the, uh, the live one that came out last year? Here's the thing is I, I'm so inundated with Steely Dan. It's like sometimes it's hard to make time to like bring up, you know, like in my spare time. Oh, right, I'm gonna check out like the yeah, live corridor again. Yeah. Um, I listen to it a little bit. It's it's cool. It's cool. Um, I I gotta give it more more time. So, I, but I I trust your judgment. If you say it's good, I, I believe. I like the arrangements of them. I guess. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to have a live. Yeah. Cut. Donald always keeps things interesting. He's not gonna do it in a rote fashion you know what i mean like yeah. he, i'm sure when he was like all right i'll do a live nightfly album like he was going to do something tinkering with the arrangements just to like because he's because i'm a lot like him in this like this is something that i relate to donald like mm-hmm. i was really bored in school and stuff and like i get oh. bored at my job that's why i started the account which is like <laughs> yeah you know, it's 3 30 i'm like gotta kill a little more time maybe like stick around on twitter like yeah I, I need i need to have i need to be you know stimulated like my my brain like and, and this is donald too he's not going to run through the motions just to like cut a paycheck like he wants he needs that stimulation you know he needs that mm-hmm. um like that yeah. creative itch needs to be scratched for him to <laughs> want to be part of something you know so, so which adhd drug are you on <laughs> i feel it uh, deeply like any like stupid garage projects i'll get into it like i will deeply obsess over trying to fix it or make it the best version of it or like just get in something and you know take it apart and make it make it right make it look <laughs> make it work like it you know should or better like uh, i think that there is that you know another take do another take do another take do another take and uh so you relate to donald's perfectionism oh one to- that's what I, I i speak about perfectionism and therapy i uh, that is a huge problem for me <laughs> i mean so for to, see them- someone who, to see someone who actualized it and and made a whole career out of being a perfectionist is like that is incredible to me. That is that is the goal. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I guess people thought he was like. I mean, there been, I guess there's you could question his uh, his like mental health, you know, around. Oh the yeah, time he was making gaucho, but at the time there probably was no like discourse about ADHD. Like the, what there no. wasn't, right? So no, he was just an asshole. <laughs> yeah, he was just considered like some guy, but you know, you gotta. I mean, you know, you gotta give him credit because we're still listening to asia we're still listening to gaucho so we still listen to all of them i mean there was let's see i think people harp too much on asia and gaucho being perfect yeah they're they sound technically perfect but i mean i feel like everything that they made uh was like the best version that they could do it given the constraints that they had to work within like i'm sure that first album was really kind of frustrating if i had to guess if i had to you know um monday morning quarterback here would be that probably having to work with you know several other guys on creative input and then have someone else sing it and a million other things had to have been like intensely frustrating to yeah. someone that is like that for me on like a kind of project like that where it's like you see the vision but you don't have the 
input able or the, you know, just whatever limitating factor might be uh, to enact your full vision is intensely frustrating. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, I mean, it drives some artists insane and I feel yeah. like just Donald is one of those people. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Which is I think uh, probably why the knife light shines so hard because it was like, it was untethered. And then, yeah, as it gets weird, like comic here, yeah, hearing that was like, it was really fun. It was a good, fun album. And it was exactly, <laughs> I felt like what he wanted to make like that kind of album sound like, like it was crisp. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then I feel like that helped him kind of like get back into the Steely Dan, finding a happy medium with uh, Comic Kiriad and then kind of working his way back towards working with yeah. again and finding that. Into a, a good Probably dovetailed into it because, you know, Two Against Nature sounds most like Comic Kiriad of all of the other rounds.